So, uh, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Switch Focus podcast. Um, I am your stand-in host, um, Ginny Wu, and with me today we have Andrew Brown. Ta-da! Ta-da! <laughs> I'm probably going to cut um, that out. <laughs> as you know from last week, um, our actual host, Andy, is still away. Um, so we may have a shorter show than usual just because there's less of us to cover the games that pop onto the eShop each week, but we will try our best to deliver our usual level of entertainment and shenanigans. Um, so without further ado, let's move on to updates from last week's episode. So last week we talked a little bit about Bayonetta 2. And I expressed my shock and outrage that Andrew hadn't played it yet. Um, but he did promise to get into it before this week's episode. So I'd like to know, Andrew, how did that go and how do you now feel? I finished it last week uh, and I enjoyed it so much more than the Yay. first Bayonetta. It was not even not even close. <laughs> mm. uh, I... As I reported last week, I kind of hated Bayonetta. It was the second time I had played it, and there were things about it the first time I played it that I didn't care for, and then when I did my replay on Switch a couple weeks ago, I the things I did not care for, I outright hated, but I was concerned that as a result of that, I would not enjoy Bayonetta 2 as much Thankfully, it had the exact opposite effect, where I hated Bayonetta 1 so much that the changes made in Bayonetta 2 were exactly what I needed to enjoy it more. Because uh, almost everything that annoyed me in the first Bayonetta has been changed in Bayonetta 2. Yes. That was yeah. my prediction, by the way, everyone. Just like to have a moment of silence for me because I was right. Um... <laughs> And yes, no, I'm glad that you say that because I know Andy was a little bit skeptical that you'd like Bayonetta 2, but I'm glad that I have had my opinion validated. <laughs> yeah. I think Bayonetta 2 is an easier game, and I don't know if that affected my feelings about it or not, but it is definitely easier. The ranking system is much more forgiving. Uh, Bayonetta 1, even when I felt like I did pretty well, I got pretty decent ranks on all of the verses in each level, I still get to the end of the level and I get a stone rank, and I didn't understand why. But I think the worst rank I got in Bayonetta 2 was a bronze on one level, and everything else mm. I got silver and gold. And maybe I just went into Bayonetta 2 a little more prepared, because I just played Bayonetta 1, so there wasn't the learning curve there, but... Bayonetta 2 felt much easier. Like, uh, the the gates that you find that take you to Paradiso to do bonus challenges. Mm. I skipped them in Bayonetta 1 after a while because they kept asking me to do things that I had no idea how to do. I didn't have the skill level to do them. Like, there's one where you have to beat two of the strongest enemies in the game using no more than five punches and seven kick attacks. I was like, mm. how are you even supposed to do that? But... <laughs> Uh, I did not find a single challenge in Bayonetta 2 that I was not able to accomplish of the first time I went in. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely think that Bayonetta 2, I think I mentioned this last week as well, I think the combat feels easier, but definitely everything else uh, feels more fluid. I feel like Bayonetta is much more mobile 
into and activating stuff like Witch Time, which is crucial to your damage in those challenges, is a lot easier because of that extra mobility. But yeah, no, um, I'm really glad that you enjoyed it because I was a little bit worried when you said that you hated Bane and a 1. Um, I have to admit. But no. <laughs> I thought the... I thought the uh, the base of Bayonetta 1 was extremely strong. I loved the combat, even when it was really hard, and even with the challenges that were beyond my skill level. I mean, I thought they were very good, and I just needed to take the time to get the skill to do those challenges. But the way the game was structured and having to deal with just huge expanses with nothing in them, just a hallway to run down, and then mm. cutscene after cutscene after cutscene to skip through, I didn't want to take the time to get that good at it but bayonetta 2 just with the easier difficulty level or perceived difficulty level uh i didn't have to make that commitment to it and i was able to tolerate the other the game's weaknesses a little better because the strengths were emphasized so much more yeah i see what you mean i think the level design was a lot Mm -hmm. better in bayonetta 2 um no pointless platforming sections um <laughs> so i think yeah i think you're correct i think beta 2 definitely kind of feels like the developers realized the flaws that people had expressed with beta 1 and gone out of their way to change them sometimes that can backfire but i think they've done just enough tweaking to keep the the concept or i guess the base beta fantasy the same um while improving all these other aspects that people may have found previously inaccessible or frustrating so, yeah, I mean, now that Bayonetta 2 has had rave reviews from all three hosts on the show, um, if you're listening and you haven't played it yet, and you've never played a Bayonetta game ever, um, I reckon if it were to come down to it, please pick up Bayonetta 2. You definitely won't regret it. I mean, it's convinced Andrew, um, and it's convinced some other friends of mine who have never played the game before. Um, and, I mean, it's beautiful, it's smart, um, it's an incredible action game. Just go out there and buy it if you haven't already. So moving on to the latest Switch news, um, we have a we have some pieces of anticlimactic news, um, aka updates from last week in a way. So we talked briefly about the Nintendo user review system that they were going to introduce um, on the on the Nintendo Shop, and I think both Andrew and myself were quite pleased that it was going to be there. But now it looks like Nintendo has pulled user review functionality from the online store. Um, it doesn't appear that they've received an influx of bad reviews or anything. Like, it's not like it's not like a punishment for negative review behavior, as far as people know. But the system has been pulled. Um, I suspect it maybe just because the system was a trial, like they weren't sure how it'd be received. But at any rate, that functionality is now gone. Um, do you think they'll bring it back, Andrew? Or well, Nintendo has responded when they did it. They said that it was like a trial. It was something they were trying, and I, I don't know why that means they had to immediately pull everything that was there, but we've seen this before, and Nintendo historically has issues. They ha- they, they're very controlling, and whenever they yeah. are presented with something that lets players make something for themselves, which is the direction video games have gone uh, since Nintendo's like day where they dominated the market, uh, they're very fickle about it like uh meverse is gone and it was not uncommon for things you posted on meverse to be pulled without reason without notice just it's just gone someday 
Super Mario Maker levels, same thing happened on there where levels would just vanish mm. uh, with no explanation. On the Switch, they had a game, Infinite Mini Golf, which disappeared off the eShop for a couple oh, weeks, and then it reappeared. Right. Uh, and I, I suspect that it was because people were making things and sharing them on there that were uh, rude shapes. But <laughs> um, <laughs> this is uh, not unusual behavior for Nintendo. It doesn't surprise me that it happened, but it, it disappoints me because I can clearly see Nintendo stepping towards the area of it used to be called web 2.0 but the the advance to web 2.0 where it's all user created content was so long ago we don't even think of it as web 2.0 anymore it's just how the internet works it's how online interaction works nintendo has been very slow to embrace that uh, and i hope before long that they just accept that they don't need to be as permissive as many of the platforms have been, which has led to many of the problems that we are experiencing in the world today. Uh, but yeah. uh, I think they could let go on the reins a little bit and just just let and see what something happens and then bring the hammer down when things truly get terrible, not just people posted reviews for two days. Let's take them all down and see what happens. Yeah, I guess it's trying to find that middle ground between, like, Nintendo and Steam. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> whereby you see one platform which has basically been destroyed by Ruby functionality because people do things like, you know, review brigading and vote brigading and all this other nonsense on Steam as a platform. Um, I guess Nintendo, if they've been reluctant in the past to open up to users, probably sees that as, like, a horror story, like a worst-case scenario. Um, but, yeah, no, I really hope that they keep them... I really had hoped they keep the review functionality up for longer, but I guess if this if it is a trial, um, we may see it again. I mean, I think it makes no sense for Nintendo to offer less functionality in in this day and age. Um, I mean, I'm already a bit skeptical about their online service, so I mean, kind of I guess stripping back all their available features to the bare bones, I don't think is is a commercially smart decision in a consumer-orientated market, on a, a market that is very used to relying on things even, I suppose, like user reviews and user impressions to actually make, dis- make purchase decisions. So I guess we'll see where it goes, but I for one do hope that they find that nice middle ground between a toxic wasteland and sensible, helpful user reviews. Um, but I guess only time will tell. Um, in other Nintendo-adjacent news... Um, which is related to the Switch um, and to something that people that some people might hold very dear. Um, Nintendo apparently has been resetting people's playtimes on the Switch. Um, so after the one-year period of, I guess, you having the console has passed, um, your playtime and your titles has been reset, or people have been seeing resets of their playtime um, from that day, uh, from that one year after it was activated. Um, however, this apparently is not permanent. Some people have had their original playtimes come back. Not sure why Nintendo was scrubbing playtimes in the first place and then putting them back. Maybe it's another, I don't know, user review type fiasco. I don't know what's going on there. What do you think, Andrew? Is it nothing? I don't think it's anything serious. I think it's a simple software programming oversight where like, this is not my wheelhouse. I can <laughs> speculate about these kinds of things, but I can't tell you like line for line on the code where their problem is at. But mm. I would suspect 
that this would be something like you know like an overflow error where mm. computers can't understand numbers higher than 255 or however that works mm. so when you get to level 255 the game crashes i think it's a a, a, a problem similar to that mm. um where something in the thing that keeps track of the game uh when it records when the game starts, it doesn't record a year. Yeah. So when it gets back around to that date again in the next year, then the playtime resets. But something about the end time, where it actually records when the last time you played the game was, mm-hmm. actually does record the year. So that way, when it gets to the next day, it realizes, oh, it's been a year and a day since you played it. So this is how long you've, you've played it. I suspect it's something like that. That is the problem, since apparently people's playtimes have reverted back to where they were the very next day after they noticed that they had reset. Okay, but, yeah. Yeah. I um, I love my playtimes. I love looking at my stats and seeing how long I've played a game. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have I keep track of my most played games, and right now I have three games, and then what I call the 100 Club, which are games I've played for over 100 hours on the Switch. There's three of them right now. And if I lost all that time, like... It wouldn't fundamentally change my life, but I think it's kind of nice to look at those and see, oh, I, I have this game, and I've played it for X amount of hours. I got a really good value out of that. I'm really pleased mm-hmm. with that purchase. So it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if my profile no longer said I'd played Skyrim for 185 hours, but I would be <laughs> disappointed. Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably in the same boat. I mean, I feel like if I had a game that was like, oh, 700 hours played, I might have to reevaluate my life choices. But um, as to where I'm at right now, yeah, I'm pretty happy with keeping a record of that. And that's, I guess, what I've been using to track how engaged I am with games. Like when I want to revisit them in the future, I'll be like, oh, you know, maybe I only played that for like 50 minutes. Maybe it's not really my thing kind of thing. So that sort of what's help- helps me prioritize my backlog of games that I've got. So, yeah, I can see how it's a, use- it's a useful function, and I guess I'm just glad that they've now reverted it so people's records don't actually reset. Um, but, yeah, I mean, not Nintendo being Nintendo, um, the Switch is a great console, but it is not perfect. <laughs> so, next on the agenda, we now move on to cover the new releases of this week that we were interested in. So, um, I said about only two of us, um, a shorter list than usual, um, but from our show notes, I can see that there has been some interest from us in Bridge Constructor Portal, which I think Andrew has played, and Subsurface Circular, which I want to have a look at later on today. So I'll let Andrew go first, because he's actually played the tile that he's interested in. So, Andrew, tell me a little bit more about Bridge Constructor Portal. Uh, have you played the Bridge Constructor games at all? Um, I've played Polybridge. Okay. Because uh, that came out on Switch in December, and I actually thought this game was a sequel to that game, but I, I realize now that they are actually two <laughs> different series entirely. Yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, Bridge Constructor is sort of similar to Polybridge, where you are building a bridge between two points to try and get a vehicle to move between them and when you do that successfully then you have beaten the level but this is a portal version like the valve portal spin on that game philosophy so 
you are in the Aperture Science Lab building these bridges, and you've got different wacky things you can use. Uh, you got your basic struts and roads that you can build, which you expect in a bridge constructor-style game, but it also has, uh, like, strings that are made out of, like, recycled towels that you can attach okay. onto bridges, because that uh, towels is a running gag in portal if you've never played it because aperture science even though now they're making like wacky science things they actually started out as a towel company uh and it's it's a pretty good game uh i was trying to play it like i play it any other game which is where i marathon it basically uh Mm -hmm. i'll sit down and i'll just play it for hours and hours and hours at a time and get as far as i can in it I found that pretty tiring in this. I I beat the first 26 levels of 60 total in a single sitting the other night, and that was fine. I I didn't mind it that much, but I I definitely wanted a break when I was done. And then just earlier today, I wanted to see if I could knock out, like, you know, another 20 levels, maybe get closer to the ending, maybe beat it this weekend. And the difficulty curve ramps up significantly in the mid-game, and, like, it took me an hour just to get through three levels this afternoon mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh and i when i got to the level 30 i was just i was just done i just didn't want to play anymore and hopefully i'll bounce back and revisit it over time and you know beat a level every now and then until i finish it but the game's difficulty and just how finicky it is because it is a game designed for pc so playing it with a joystick and a controller or even a touchscreen, I, I don't think works as well as being able to just use a mouse and just click where you want things to be. Uh, it's functional, but it's not as it doesn't feel as good as it could. Yeah. And as as to the portal aspects of it, I can tell that this is supposed to be portal because it takes place in Aperture Science and there is there is Aperture Science like jokes. Like there's a joke in the opening where you take a little miniature uh, job interview with the character and he asks you your feelings about what would you say if life would gave you lemons? <laughs> uh, uh, and you could either answer like Cave Johnson or you could just answer like a normal person. Uh, and like GLaDOS is there and okay. she has, yes, yeah, she has lines. I, I really, I was concerned that GLaDOS wouldn't be in it because I don't think Portal is Portal without GLaDOS. Mm. So GLaDOS is there, but her writing isn't as strong as it is in the regular Portal games. Like, a lot of the jokes that she has are just, they're just jokes. They don't have anything to do with what's going on. Uh, And uh, they didn't get the original voice actress. They They didn't. Yeah, they have a sound alike, and they they use the same voice modulation uh, to make it kind of sound like GLaDOS, but, like, almost right away, I could tell. That's a different actress, and mm. that's not to disparage that the the job that this voice actress does, but it just shows how everything in this, as far to its its portalness, is an imitation of Portal. It's not actually Portal, so it uh, it adds interesting spins to the bridge building genre if that is such a thing where you have to send bridges through portals which changes the directions things are moving in and uh you got to use momentum built up through things and the the weighted companion cubes are back and the the turrets are there to shoot at your cars and everything so those aspects of the portal experience are there but it doesn't feel like a portal game to me just just from its humor 
So th- that's a little disappointing. I'm, I think if you're into the bridge constructor game and you need 60 good levels to play through, you probably get a lot out of this, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty lukewarm towards it. That's fair. Um, it seems like it's not as, I suppose, as you said, portal heavy, um, as mm-hmm. the name would suggest. I think calling it bridge constructor portal made me think that it was, or originally when I first heard about it, I was like, oh, you know, like a new Valve product. It's not a new Valve product. Um, it's, it's by... It's licensed. <laughs> yeah, it's by a much smaller studio who has licensed some aspects, um, of the portal series to use in a bridge constructor game. So, yeah, I mean... I am still holding out hope for a proper portal game on the Switch. I take a port at this point, literally, of, of any one of them, one or two, not a big deal. I play the crap out of that. But um, in terms of bridge constructing, um, I I enjoy the traditional bridge constructor type game. So Polybridge is more than enough for me. I think I've got enough trouble with the physics of building a regular bridge without having to worry about gravity and, and portals and GLaDOS and acid swaps and any other... Um, sort of obstacles that you may have in the aperture labs. Yeah, so, I, I, I'm, I'm interested in Polybridge too. I meant to pick it up back in December, but there was just so much coming oh, out back then that yeah. it just never, it just never happened. But mm. like, I, I think Polybridge with its simplicity, I might enjoy it more because this one, the level I stopped on, uh, I had two cars I had to get to an exit, and. They each went into two different portals, which launched them in the air in another oh. room, and they would impact into each other in midair. So oh. I was trying; I had to get them to first stop in midair, to yeah. so that way they wouldn't collide into each other and fall into the acid bath, and yeah. then land on roads and then go up, go up to the to the goal. And yeah. I could not get; I could get one of them to reach the goal, but then the other one I could not get the momentum right and like just adjusting anything was just so finicky and uh, if you have to restart an entire construction from the start it's just like oh geez Mm. Uh, so it's a patience testing game and i think if you just play it casually you know play it for an hour every now and then you'd be fine but if you're a person like me who plays games four and five hours at a go it's grating (laughs) (laughs) oh dear well can't get them every time. The game that I was interested in this week is not um, a portal game and not a bridge constructing game, um, but it's actually, I suppose I'd call it a detective visual novel style game. So it's a game called Subsurface Circular, and it's set in a dystopian future uh, where you play as a robot detective. So in this future, basically every um, humanity, I think, has enslaved robots and so it's like a Blade Runner-esque kind of situation where you use robots for like everyday things, um, ranging from, I don't know, like public transport operators to priests and whatnot. So your job as a robot detective is to ride this underground subway, which is a circular line, hence the name, Subsurface Circular. You ride it and try and solve everyday mysteries and crimes that your human overlords order you to solve. Um So this is a game that came out on the PC, I think, last year, and it was really, really well received. Um, So as someone who enjoys detective games and puzzle games, this sort of really kind of seems up my alley. Um, It's all about talking to other robots, and it's about, I guess, finding out answers through growing interpersonal relationships, which I find quite interesting. Um, Would you pick it up at all, Andrew, you reckon, a, a game like this? This game sounds like something right up my alley because it's yes. a dialogue narrative based game. You can mm-hmm. beat it in 
a couple hours. So yeah. I'm definitely going to pick it up uh, probably very soon. Uh, but I have not picked it up yet. Yeah. Um, I think it's like something like three hours if you want to get like a completionist playthrough. So I think it's definitely um, if you're someone who has like, a, lot of, a, a lot of time to like dig into a game. Um, I feel like you kind of like push this one out before you go to bed. Um, so yeah, I think it's timed really well. And it's by Bythel Studios, I think. Yeah, so you pronounce it Bythel or Bythel Studios. Um, they made one of my favorite platformers, Thomas Was Alone. Um, so I think I might, I may have been a little biased initially about my interest in this game because I thought, oh, you know, they made this game. This is be awesome. Um, but people have been really enjoying it. Um, and it's also got a really, really good price point i believe um i don't really believe in the whole like x dollars equal equals x hours of entertainment um but if you're someone that um is feeling like a wallet's a little bit tight um i think it's at a really good price point it's 10 new zealand dollars something like i don't know six or seven u.s dollars i think it's five bucks here five bucks yeah well there you go five dollars and i think for three hours it's pretty good value um I'm mostly intrigued by how they'll tackle, um, I guess, the whole dystopic sci-fi element because it's a very commonly done element. Um, like we're not this, we're not virgins to this kind of plotline. Um, but I think it'll be interesting. It looks like it has a very sort of toned down UI, and the focus is completely on the individual robots and on your conversations. So I will update everyone um, as to how I feel about this game once I've actually finished it. But I am looking pretty positive, pretty hopeful. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's everything from me, Andrew, for this week. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, it's been a bit of a shorter episode because we are one man down. Um, But it was also a slow week too. And yeah, and it was a very slow week. Um, but we hope you enjoyed listening regardless. Um, if you have any questions or responses or want to share your opinion on something that we've talked about, um, you can send those things to our Twitter feed at SwitchFocusPod, our Facebook account, or via our website and its handy contact form. So, Andrew, I assume this week you will be perhaps playing more Bridge Constructor Portal or what's on the agenda instead? I might pick at Bridge Constructor Portal. Uh, I was neglecting Darkest Dungeon while I worked towards finishing all the challenges in Dragon Quest Builders, which I finally did. Yay! Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to get back and pay more attention to Darkest Dungeon because I would like to uh, finish that this year at some point. <laughs> but uh, there is a new game coming out on Tuesday, I believe, called Fear Effect Sedna. Uh, it looks like a, a tactical, like, third-person rpg style game uh Mm -hmm. but that could be a completely wrong appraisal of what it actually is but that's what it looks like Mm -hmm. and it looks like it's got a pretty cool graphic system in it that's really all i've looked at so far is just what the game actually looks like but uh i'm gonna check it out and hopefully it'll be cool awesome um well i will be cracking onto subsurface circular as i just mentioned and i'll probably also have a look at the men of yoshiwara um which Mm. is a a Japanese uh, dating sim um, based on the historic red light district of Yoshiwara in Japan, but with the gender roles reversed. So, infamously, it was a district full of um, um, women who were um, ladies of the night, and it will now be men who are men of the night. 
So I've heard some good things about how they've treated the dynamics and how all that sort of stuff has been explored and written about in the game. So I'm quite interested in it. I'll probably check that one out. Um, and thinking one more week ahead, we haven't got long till Kirby Star Allies comes out. So I'm sure I will crack onto that as soon as I can. All right. So thanks for listening to this episode of Switch Focus Podcast. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes because it really helps to get us noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast services. We also have a YouTube channel where we regularly upload the first hour of many of the games that we play. And I'm sure during the week, Andrew will be streaming most of the games that we've just talked about on the show, and you can find him at twitch.tv slash playcritically. You can also follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at switchfocuspodcast.com for updates, news, and other content. If you want to support the show, you can also now buy us a coffee, and we've got details on our website. And you can follow all of us individually. So Andy is at Flame Roast Toast, Andrew is at Play Critically, and I'm Ginny at Ginny Woes. Thank you and good night. Life gives you lemons. Don't make lemonade. Yeah. Make life take the lemons back. Yeah. Get mad. Yeah. I don't want your damn lemons. What am I supposed to do with these? Yeah, take the lemons. Demand to see life's manager. Yeah. Make life rue the day it thought it could give Cave Johnson lemons. Do you know who I am? I'm the man who's going to burn your house down with the lemons. Oh, I like this guy. I'm going to get my engineers to invent a combustible lemon that burns your house down. Burn his house down. <laughs> Burning people.